0: 630 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.
1: Hey friends, uh, welcome to the Friday edition. Yes, we made it to Friday. Gosh, it seems like these uh, weeks sometimes are just getting longer and longer and longer. And when you look back in time, it was two years ago today that the World Health Organization declared uh, a pandemic. And we all know in the days that followed what that meant, how things changed for all of us. So as we go through the show today, I would like you to reflect on where you were two years ago. Did you realize how much would change when you look back over the past two years, Where's your head at? Let me know. 780-496-0063. Two years ago today, Gertie Pander from the Yukon posted his first video on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, went on to become a worldwide sensation. Uh, showing his bhangra dancing. And uh, since then, he has done interviews around the world as he puts smiles on people's faces. He'll join us just after 5 o'clock. Just after 4 o'clock, we'll talk uh, social media and the war in Ukraine. We'll take a look at that with our tech expert. Right now, though, wanting to get into this, and it's really... AS WE TAKE A LOOK AT WHAT'S HAPPENING IN UKRAINE, uh, THE RUSSIAN PRESIDENT VLADIMIR PUTIN APPROVING WHAT HE CALLS BRINGING IN VOLUNTEER FIGHTERS FROM THE MIDDLE EAST AND ELSEWHERE TO JOIN HIS FORCES IN UKRAINE. It is uh, day 16 of the invasion. Meanwhile, the U.S. has announced an agreement with other nations to downgrade Russia's trade status, allowing for higher tariffs to be imposed on Russian imports. And a land warfare analyst at Britain's Royal United Services Institute says the situation in Ukraine is ugly already, but he says it's going to get worse. And when it comes to talks, Putin says there had been certain positive developments in talks but gave no details. Ukraine's president said the situation has reached a strategic turning point but didn't explain what he meant. So the question on a lot of people's minds these days is how does this end? Let's examine that this afternoon with Dr. Christian Luprecht who is a professor at the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University. His latest book is Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft, published by Oxford University Press. He's also a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. Dr. Luprecht, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jaylen. Christian, in, in week three, your an- analysis of what has happened so far, what you've witnessed unfolding in Ukraine and Russia.
0: Well, I think this is getting a lot uglier and a lot bloodier even than uh, people had by and large anticipated. Um, In large part because Ukraine has the Ukraine defenders have clearly overperformed and uh, the Russian attackers not only overestimated their own capabilities, but uh, underestimated how ill-prepared they were despite months of, uh, of preparation. And so what we've seen is a far more even match than most analysts had anticipated, Um, And as a result, uh, Russia has been frustrated with its efforts, and so it's resorting to classic Russian military doctrine, which is overwhelming force, which is what we're seeing now. But the challenge the Russians are running into is that they expended a good deal of their light infantry in the first three days of the war, assuming they're just going to walk into these Ukrainian cities. And so now they don't have enough capable soldiers to take the cities. And so one of the reasons they're now looking at mercenaries is because they need to They need someone to do the urban fighting because currently they can demonstrate they can raise these cities to the ground with artillery, with tank shells and with fighter jets, but they can't actually take the cities.
1: So when we talk about how this ends, I know there's been a number of scenarios that have been, um, you know, uh, chewed upon. Let's put it that way. Or you know, when we look at how this possibly could end, and I wanna, I wanna ask you about some of them specifically. Do you see a negotiated solution to this? We have seen so far, um, you know, the talk's not going anywhere. We've seen different countries line up, step up, willing to do it. Even the Vatican saying, hey, you know what, Uh, we'll try to do something. Do you think that that's going to be possible?
0: I could see it possibly a cessation of hostilities. Now, trust is going to be a major issue here, as well as a mechanism to verify um, by both sides. And I'm not sure who you might be able to call in to verify in this particular conflict, who's not already taken sides one way or the other um, that would mean that russia essentially cuts its losses they stay with their troops where they are they wouldn't They probably for the time being at least not return any territory um, but uh, they would cease fire and probably regroup uh, to uh, attack another There's also uh, a risk that the Ukrainians might eventually capitulate because the Russians just have more resources and more people, so they can sustain this longer, at least in terms of material. The question is whether they can sustain it in terms of popular support. There is the risk that uh, if if the Russians do succeed, and we'd be looking at an Afghanistan style 1980s counterinsurgency supported by the U.S. and NATO for probably the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. the most likely scenario is that the fighting will go on for some months and we're going to get to some sort of a stalemate um, and at that point we'll get a we'll get a ceasefire
1: oh boy all right so uh, do you do you anticipate an escalation in the weeks ahead
0: I think that depends very much on how Kiev works out for Putin and his in his uh, crackpot troops, Uh, because of course his initial tactical objective was to take Kiev uh, to effect regime change in Kiev. So if the Ukrainian defenders can avoid Kiev from being encircled and besieged, um, and thereby deny Putin the ability to effect regime change. I think Putin will escalate. He will escalate vertically in terms of, that is to say, in terms of conventional attacks, but also possibly um, unconventional weapons—biological, chemical, radiological, nuclear—more um, like a tactical than strategic. Um, and he'll also escalate horizontally, that is to say, in particular through cyber attacks on uh, on the West critical infrastructure, uh, as well as the uh, as the private sector. So I think much will depend on how Kiev. Goes. Uh, the other risk is that uh, as the supply lines become more sustained from Poland in particular into Kiev the Russians will get frustrated they'll send more cruise missiles and one of those cruise missiles ends up straying into a uh, into a supply depot on Polish territory uh, Poland would call an article 5 under mm-hmm. NATO and then we would have a collective uh, defense situation.
1: Dr. Christian Luprak joining me this afternoon there has been talk that and there has been speculation there has been conversation about you know maybe one of the ways that this ends is that Russians themselves uh, rise up and um, overthrow or replace Vladimir Putin or, or Putin or someone from his inner circle does. Um, but I've been reading that that would be highly unlikely, but is that a possibility?
0: Improbable, I would say, at this point. The Russian state is a very strong state, and the way Putin has built his inner circle is that the people with the money don't control the people with the guns. Mm. and he. So other people control... Um, a good deal of the money, but he controls the people with the guns. And if you look at it, innermost loyal circle, those are all uh, people who came up with him uh, through the KGB in St. Petersburg. So I don't think that uh, their loyalty is currently being compromised. So I, I don't see um, a, an immediate risk to the continuity of the Putin regime. But if this war does drag on um, and Putin continues to lose... Uh, the, the ability to control the meta narrative within Russia, because of course he's exercising coercion in terms of protest, dissent, uh, freedom of speech precisely because hes afraid of losing control of the meta narrative um, that would be the only circumstance in which I could think that happening in the short term, but in the medium term, of course, if you look at Russian history whether it's the Japanese war and then the First World War, where you got uh, regime change in terms of the communist revolution, Um, or you look at the end of the Cold War, which uh, got you, again, regime change in Russia, that these wars for Russia have not, um, in the medium term, worked out well for the continuity of the regime that has been in place. So I do think, um, if I had to put money on it, that Putin will not live out his days as president um, as the active president of Russia hmm,
1: interesting. Um, what are you watching for? what should we be watching for uh, in the in the days and even just a couple of weeks ahead uh, giving us an idea of what what this how this might end up?
0: I think we'll have to see to what extent um, so Putin will try to divide the Western coalition and he will also try to retaliate. So the more pain is being imposed on him, his war effort, uh, the Russian economy, uh, he will attempt to retaliate against the West, in particular with cyber attacks, but also with misinformation. Mm. Um, you can already see the uh, the, the, the alleged the, the ruse that the Russians invented about biological weapons and the US being involved with biological weapons in Ukraine is already being picked up uh, by some US media outlets. So we need to be resilient in making sure that Putin does not regain the initiative on the narrative, and uh, I think that's where I'll be looking for sort of a his uh the battle space so the information battle space uh and the um asymmetric battle space so that is to say particularly in the west him escalating um cyber attacks and other means to undermine our societies and our political decision making processes
1: christian always appreciate your time and our conversations thank you for this my pleasure. Thank you, Jaylen. Yeah, Take care. Christian Luprecht, again, a professor at the Royal Military College and at Queen's University. Uh, he is a senior fellow at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute, and his latest book is Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft.